we have a well-known man in the community that I go to college at. Uh, I go to Williams Baptist University, and uh, Jake Ginrich. Is that how? Did I say that right? You got it, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jake Ginrich, he is the pastor at uh, First Baptist Church in Walnut Ridge, um, and he disciples me once a week. We go out to eat uh, just about every Monday, uh, if not Monday, then, you know, some other day, and uh, he just checks on me spiritually and helps me grow and, you know, helps me become a better man. So uh, I'm super excited to have Jake on the podcast today and, um, you know, help people, you know, show people um, some things that he's done with me that hopefully, like, will benefit other people. So, Jake, talk to me. Yeah, man, I'm excited to be on here, so thanks for having me. Um, like I said, I, I guess I'm so well-known in Walnut Ridge that he <laughs> doesn't know how to pronounce my last name. Hey, but, yeah. Hey, it, it's a tough one. Um, no, I've been the pastor at First Baptist Walnut Ridge for almost nine years now. Um, love serving the Lord and, and loving those people. Uh, my wife and I have lived in Walnut Ridge uh, ever since we got married. And have stayed mm. here since I finished up at Williams. We got five kids. The oldest one's eleven. The youngest one will be a year old. And so our life is just loud and messy all the time. Well, I would never know that because every time we have breakfast, you're so like calm and you're you're very present. You're not like, oh hey, hold on, I gotta get this call, I gotta do this. Like you're just very present like every time like we meet. So like I would have never known that. Like, yeah, I, I have to be, though, man. I, I've got to get some time away from the loudness and the noise every <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Well, Jake, i got to ask you the question of the podcast. Um, this is just about your testimony and your life. When did you decide to stop living on your time and start living on God's time, and why? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, I think you worded it well. And I'd kind mm -hmm. of explain it this way. Um, you know, the, the first place that my parents took me outside of the house was to the church building when I was mm -hmm. a little kid. Um, but that didn't mean that uh, that I had started to live on God's time as an infant. So yeah. just like everybody else, I was born a sinner. Um, and man, as, as a kid, lived in darkness and walked in sin, uh, lied to my parents, fought with my brother, um, you know, just cared about myself really and not anybody mm -hmm. else and I had a best friend named Chase who was in the second grade when I was in first grade and he told me that Jesus had saved him from his sins and mm -hmm. I was like well what does that mean so I <laughs> talked to him about Jesus dying on the cross and told me that Jesus had risen again from the dead and told me that if I trusted that Jesus had died for me I could be forgiven too and so uh, after talking to my first grade teacher my parents um, decided to follow Jesus Christ one Sunday night in the living room of my house. And now that I walk in the light, um, I don't fight with my brother. I love my brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I honor my parents instead of lying to him. And, uh, man, I try to walk in the light of God's truth and care about other people more than I care about myself. So about when I was six years old is uh, when I stopped living on my time and started living on God's time. And uh, it's a decision I try to live by every day as I follow Jesus. I love that so much, dude. And I can't say the same. Me and my brother definitely still fight, and I'd say I'm living on God's time. So, um, but I love that you said that 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 your best friend literally, like you said in second grade, like yeah. li literally evangelized to you, honestly. Um, and I was listening to a song recently, um, and it said, I think it was it's by Newsboys, and it said, "When did it become illegal to say the name Jesus in school?" and um, I think that that's, you know, something that 
I, I feel like you probably have a mission to do too, is like to, to continue to have the name Jesus in schools. Um, and that's something like for me too, like my mom works for FCA, like she travels and disciples coaches and stuff. And, um, you know, I think it's a big part of discipling and evangelizing to people. That's right, man. And hey, it's just, I'm going to keep preaching the name of Jesus, whether it's a crime or not. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said something like that in the song is like, if it's a crime, like I'm guilty, you know, yeah. it, was, it was something like that. Um, but, but man, the, the real reason the the real nitty gritty reason that I wanted to get Jake on the podcast is because um, Jake has been a very big help in helping me um, overcome or know practical ways to battle lust. And, you know, as a young man, like I've openly said on the podcast, you know, when I was 15, um, I had a teammate who walked in the locker room and he showed me pornography. And that was like a very life changing thing for me because it was like, I, I feel like I went from innocent to like not innocent, you know, and um, and it's been a long journey, but like it's been a long time since I've watched porn, since I've struggled with that. Um, but as a guy, you know, I just still struggle with lust. I mean, I still struggle with like, you know, if I if I see a girl, I have to literally pray uh, immediately. Like like if I if I begin to see a girl in the wrong way, I have to pray immediately. Like, God, help me view her as a child of God. And you know, like stuff like that. And like, I don't care who you are. Literally every single man goes through that. Like every single guy. So um, just like, what would be your best piece of advice for battling lust as a young man? Uh, and also like, can you kind of like put into practical terms, like why it's a big deal to guard your heart? Because um, I think you've done a good job of that with me. Like you've made me realize like, you know, it's not even good to just like, to let any thoughts slip into your mind. Like you have to completely keep your heart pure at all times. So just kind of like, you know, like I said, your best piece of advice um, and you know why it's a big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, Caleb's right. We've, we've talked about the, the nitty gritty stuff and uh, really dealt with some things in our conversations with each other. My story's kind of like his. Uh, I was in ninth grade and one, one of my friends. Uh, so mm-hmm. Friends. <laughs> yeah brought a picture to school and I went, man, I don't want to see that. And at the same time I went, Oh, what is this? Yeah. uh, That that's when I was introduced to pornography as a young man. And uh, it has been a battle and a struggle ever since. So young men, uh, middle-aged men, old men, um, I have yet to meet somebody that uh, has been honest with me in, in conversations when we've got to talk about nitty gritty details in battling lust that doesn't struggle with it. Right. Um, and there, you know, I, uh, there's times, uh, that as you're following Jesus, uh, you're going to be walking with the Lord and filled with the Holy spirit. And so giving into those temptations, um, are, are not going to be, uh, an issue, but man, there, there's times that, uh, the devil will just get us by surprise with temptation. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's easy to give in at that point. So the biggest advice that I could give to people from a practical standpoint is try your best not to give the devil any opportunity to lead you down that uh, path that really yeah. only ends destruction. Um, mm. And that, I mean, that, that thought comes out of scripture itself over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. Uh, the apostle Paul just simply Did- says, flee sexual immorality. Dude, I was literally looking that up as you said it. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's go ahead, about, though. Yeah, go ahead, though. So, yeah, uh, uh, flee sexual immorality. You, like, you've got to run away from those avenues that provide you access uh, to, to pornography, uh, th those places where you're the most tempted and the most vulnerable. Uh, don't, don't go there. Because uh, when, when you go there, uh, Satan's got his foot in the door, and, man, he's just going to bust it wide open and try to get you to sin. And, uh, exactly. And hurt yourself. You know, and then Paul goes on to say after, after he gives that initial command, flee sexual immorality, uh, he says every sin that a man commits is outside the body. Mm -hmm. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And so even if there is not the access to, to pornography, which was a huge deal in, in my life as a young man, um, and, and learning how to, you know, how to not give yourself access to a computer or to get rid of a, a cell phone and move to a flip phone, which I did for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, some guys may have to do that, take those drastic steps. Even if you remove all of those external things that have provided you the avenue to sin and sexual morality, you're still going to struggle with the issue of lust in your right. heart. And uh, so when Paul says run away from it, um, I think he's also meaning in our thought life. You know, when yeah. we're faced with temptation, I don't need to run away from God being embarrassed. Like, God, I, I've been faced with uh, with thinking bad thoughts about this lady that I just saw. I need to go straight to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what just walked across um, mm -hmm. uh, my view in front of me. Will you help me? Not not to sin and give in, but just to seek you. Um, and really, that's the the battle is is in prayer before the Lord. Um, you got to go to God and you got to talk to Him about these things. And it seems a little awkward at first, to be honest with you. It does seem awkward at first. I'm not gonna lie. When I when I prayed my, I remember I was like 16 or 17, and I was literally like God, like like I prayed God, why why am I watching porn? I prayed that prayer, and it was like I remember thinking to myself, I'm like dude, did I really just say that like out loud? <laughs> and it was, it was, I'll tell you this from my standpoint, it was so hard as a young man who was viewed as a, like who was viewed, I would say as a, as a spiritual leader in my community, it was so hard to come forth and say like, Hey, I I've been watching porn. That was so hard. Um, because I, I felt like I would disappoint so many people. You know, like, it's so crazy. Like, so, dude, we did a video. Uh, we did an episode about porn. Um, it was like our sixth or seventh episode, me, Hudson, Michael Robinson. And my grandma watched it. And it was crazy because she said, oh, my gosh, Caleb, I never knew you did that. And she was like, I never would have thought that that would be something you struggled with. And I was like, well, number one, I'm a guy. Number two, um, yeah, I did struggle with it. And it was like. You know what I mean? And like, it's like, so literally nobody's going to know that you're struggling with something until you tell them. And it took me so long. Like, I, I think I didn't say anything until I was at FCA camp and I opened up to my huddle leader and you know, it's crazy. My huddle leader was probably 19 or 20. You know, it's crazy. I said, well, when's the last time you watched? And he said, two weeks ago, he said, I, I know it. I know the struggle and, and I'm battling too. And I remember thinking at that time, I was like, man, like, I want to pursue now, um, like, like, cause he, I, I don't remember this 
for sure. But I think he got married like two years later. And so I'm like, man, like I want to start now um, not having that as um, a grip on my life so that I can, you know, not take that into marriage one day. And look, that, I mean, that's kind of a good point to think about for just a minute. Like, there may be 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds that watch and listen to this, 25-year-olds, 45-year-olds. Like, we, mm-hmm. obviously, it, for those of us who have been engaged in pornography, masturbation, uh, sexual activity of some kind that God's not glorified by, we would like to kind of erase that completely from our past. But the fact of the matter is, like, it, if you haven't been – fleeing sexual immorality yeah. is the best time to start. So I've had friends that have trained to run marathons and you know the only way you can run a marathon is just you, you got to start walking, you got to start running. Mm-hmm. You have to start. So uh, when Paul says flee sexual immorality, the first step to take is away from sexual immorality. You got to run from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love that you said that because there's a lot of people, like especially like when I was younger, so many people would tell me, well, it's just because you're 16 or 17. Like, it'll get easier when you get older, which, <laughs> no, <laughs> he's like, no. Uh, but like, I, I mean, I, I, I might say that like, I'm 21 now and has it gotten easier? Maybe, but that's because I've worked towards making it easier. And it's like, I have no idea what it would be like if I never, you know, attempted to stop or anything. Like, I have no idea. Um but I think that it gets easier if you give it over to the Lord and he continues to sanctify you and help you, you know, but, but man, like I, I hear so many people like, that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, like when people just say, um, yeah, it'll get easier later or it'll get easier this time or, or, well, we'll do it later. And it's like, no, dude, this is the day that the Lord has made. Like, so let's do it now. Like, let us rejoice and be glad. And that's what Psalm 118, 24 says. And like, I had to realize that in my own life, like this isn't going to get easier until I give it to the Lord and I start working towards it. Yep. yep. You're not just going to naturally drift away from something that your flesh has been drawn to. Like you, you've mm-hmm. got to die to self. You've got to crucify the flesh um, and you have to take the intentional step away from sexual, sexual immorality. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like time may help you be more disciplined in your pursuit of holiness and your flight from all these temptations, but time in and of itself is not going to solve the problem. Right. Exactly. And, and dude, that's such a, that's just a, a mistake that so many people make. Like so many people are like, Oh, like it'll get easier when I get older. And that's like with anything, man, not just with sexual sin, but with everything. And uh, I want to like, I want to read this whole verse that I have highlighted. First um, Corinthians six eighteen through 20. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And um, some advice that my friend Caleb gave me when it came to overcoming lust. He said, okay, put this, put like open your Bible every single night to this verse. And think about that one verse uh, in verse 20. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And I started doing that. And, dude, it was crazy. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was bought at a price. Like, I should probably take care of this body, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and I mean, the other huge passage of Scripture 
that has really challenged me um, and caused me to take some drastic measures with the, the spiritual war against lust in my own heart is what Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew mm-hmm. 5, uh, 27 to 30. Um, and I, I've got, got my Bible open. I want to read those verses. Yeah, go ahead. It says, You have heard it said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And this is where Jesus, like, he, we, we often talk about the hyperbole, but I think he's given some practical instruction. Mm-hmm. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it's more profitable for you than that one of your members should perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Mm. And so even, even though Jesus may not be telling people to literally pluck an eyeball out of their head or to, to chop off a, a hand from their arm, I think he's telling people if, if you really want to live a holy life and flee from lust, you're going to have to take some drastic steps in that direction. And so for me, yes. the drastic step was I got to get rid of the, the fancy smartphone and I've mm-hmm. got to go to the flip phone. And I did that for a while. And uh, now I have a, a phone that's actually getting repaired in Jonesboro from an organization called Pinwheel. Um, Shout out to Pinwheel. Sponsorship here, right? <laughs> yeah, no sponsorship. <laughs> uh, but it, it's a phone from pinwheel and it's actually like a kid's cell phone you can only download Mm -hmm. certain apps there's no social media there's no web browser Mm -hmm. and uh, i would like to think that i have enough uh uh, discipline now to not go and and look up pornographic websites but i'm like man people might laugh at me people might think that i'm old-fashioned or or just weird but i'm like i I don't want to go back there and so yeah i've cut off my my right hand and plucked out my eyeball mm-hmm. with going to a, a kid's phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I have seen that verse and I've seen people put it into practical terms. Like you said, yeah. like where obviously like, you know, cutting off your hand or, or whatever, like, like that's, you know, like, I think that there was a person one time who like picked up their cross and like walked around the world or something like that. And it was like, that is like, that's really good. You know, but it was like scripture's not always saying to like literally do certain things. You know, right. a lot of the times it is go love people. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Let's go love people. But when it talks about certain things, like you said in Matthew, like it's it's trying to put it into practical terms for you. Like so whatever is your crutch, whatever is the thing that, you know, makes you get into porn, like, you know, take it away. Like for me, like it was always a thing like it was always like an at night thing. Like when I got bored or anxious or whatever, like when I got like sad, like that's what I would do. And so like I had to implement certain things. Like I literally had to tell somebody and like, you know, we had to, you know, go in my settings and put where like I can't see explicit content. And it's like and like, okay, one thing for me that I've had to do. um, And this has just been like a personal preference of mine. Like I don't even know. I might have it right now just because I had to post something. But unless I have to post something or unless it's completely relevant, I don't have Facebook or Instagram on my phone. I have it on my iPad because when I'm on my iPad, I view it as like, okay, this is business. I'm working on something. If 
But when I'm on my phone, like I don't because I'm like I can end up just scrolling and scrolling until I see something and then I end up just falling into temptation. So for me, like that's something I had to do. Um, and also like, you know, my verse of the year is Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. And yeah. for me, like I had to um, recently I had to cut out like rap music. Like, dude, I don't, I don't remember last time I listened to rap. Like just because, um, like just because, um, it, it would just cause me like, cause if you think about it, like you're listening to something and it's like, it's a lot of, now some people get mad at me for saying this. It's not all rap music, but it's like 90% of it is drugs, money, and disrespecting women. Like that's really what it is. And I had to go in my settings and turn off explicit music. Like I had to go off, I had to go do that because it was like, that was a temptation for me. It would lead me to, to think about women in that way. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't know personally, like, I don't see how you can't listen to that and not think of it that way. Like, yep, yep, I, I don't exactly. know if it's possible, honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And I think even like with you talking about your, your Bible verse of the year um, mm -hmm. that you've memorized and that's on your heart, that's another good way to fight against uh, sexual temptation and lust mm -hmm. when, you, you pray to God and just be honest with him about those things you're dealing with. You, you take drastic steps to flee from sexual immorality. But, man, you've you got to take out the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. If yeah. you memorize passages like 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, and Matthew 5, uh, 27 through 29, and uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8, and many you quote those verses mm -hmm. as you're facing the temptation to lust, you're just filling your mind with God's truth, and that'll help you flee from temptation. Yes. Okay. And now I'm glad you said that. Let's talk – like we were talking this morning kind of about like the manifestation stuff. Like let's talk now about how like – okay, so the best way to overcome lies and to overcome addiction and stuff like that is with God's truth. Like that's like the, the pivotal – like a lot of people get that wrong, and a lot of people – now, I'm not saying medicine and stuff like that isn't beneficial at all. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but I want you to kind of talk about the difference between, like, God's truth and, you know, manifesting or attracting or whatever, like, stuff. Kind of like we've talked about the difference between it. Because I have so many friends that are like, um, yeah, man, like, if you just think it and you just believe it, man, like, it'll attract to you or whatever. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> So, yeah, so yeah. yeah, overcoming lust is not just a matter uh, of the power of positive thinking. Uh, you, you could look at yourself every morning in the mirror and say, I, I'm not going to lust. I, I'm not going mm -hmm. to do this. I'm not going to do that. And uh, when you're faced with the temptation, you give in. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times you tell yourself you're not going to do something in your own strength and power. Mm -hmm. What you need is the power of God in your life. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's the Lord is the one who forgives you of sin. It's the Lord who is the one who keeps you from sinning when you're faced with temptation. And so you can't just have faith in yourself and think, I can do this. You've got to have faith in God and know I have a problem and I can't correct this on my own. I can take steps that the Lord has shown me in his word to deal with this issue. But it's going to take something more than just. Uh, my plan and my power to conquer this. It's going to take a work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, and it's not, you know, there's not a magic pill that you can take that makes uh, the temptation to lust go away. Yeah. 
there's not a magic phrase you can repeat that uh, just automatically uh, helps you uh, not not give in to temptation. You've got to seek the the Lord Jesus in every step of your life. You've got to depend on the Holy Spirit to help you fight uh, temptation. And when that happens, what will happen to you is that the Holy Spirit will manifest himself through you. And it won't just yeah. be about, you know, some some sign um, or some, you know, some, some magic uh, remedy all of a sudden. It will be the yeah. Holy Spirit living through you. You know, Paul says Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, love, peace, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness faithfulness, faithful. gentleness, and self-control. Sorry, I just I like that. You got it, man. Yeah. <laughs> the last one. If, if you're under the control of the Holy Spirit, you will have the self-control not to give in to lust. Mm. So the difference Dude. is having faith in God and not just faith in yourself. Mm, I love that so much, dude. Uh, and, and I OK, I, I'm going to try and pull it. From right here, because yep. I was reading this today. This is not the Bible. This is Tim Tebow's book. I'm reading right now. Um, Tim Tebow believes the Bible, so yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we're all good. Um, but he was talking about the difference, like you said. Um, you know, you were talking about like, you know, the difference between trusting yourself and trusting God. And he said this. Um, oh, here, here's what he said. He said. One of the emptiest things I hear well-meaning teachers, coaches, and even parents say is how proud they are of someone's work ethic. I don't mean to say it's a terrible thing to be proud of, but it is essentially meaningless Meaningless if there's no purpose beyond self-achievement. Why would you get up at 4 a.m. or work out twice a week or study most weekends or do any number of hard things without a good reason? It might seem crazy, but to me, that's a waste of time. If you're a believer, your purpose is ultimately to, is ultimately to glorify God, right? To love, to love and serve God and others. Discipline, patience, endurance, and work ethic are valuable things in and of themselves, but they have more meaning when they are connected to a high, when they are connected to a higher purpose. Harness discipline and a solid work ethic, and use them as tools to point in the right direction. And like, I love, I saw that, and I like highlighted it and uh, underlined it because I'm like, dude, I love that because like so many people, they they're like, yeah, like that person's such a hard worker, you know, that person does this and does and like. Those are all great things, but it's like you will be so much more motivated to stop watching porn, to flee from lust, to stop drinking, to stop smoking, to stop doing these things when God is your motivation, when the glory of God is your motivation. Like, like I mean, that's why, honestly, like I, I say, you know, I've been living on God's time since I was nine years old, but I don't feel like I went all in for Jesus until I was probably 17, 18, maybe even 19. Yeah. And it's like, whenever I started doing that, that's whenever I actually had this desire. Like, I wasn't just like, oh, like, porn's bad. Like, I was like, no, dude, like, this is affecting my mind, my mental health, my my physical health, like, everything. Like, I need to give this to God, and, and I can use that as a testimony to other people who are struggling with it. And then after that, like, I can help them overcome it, you know, with the power of the Holy Spirit, like you said. Sorry, I just kind of started preaching, dude. But, Good, um, but... But no, nah, man, it's like, like, it's such a big thing for me, man. Like, uh, I have a friend recently that he said, have you ever heard of 75 hard? Uh-uh. It's it's this thing where like, for 75 days straight, you read for 10 minutes and you, you work out and you, you just get on a, a manly hard 75 days or whatever. And I just told him this, he's like, this friend has attempted it before. And he didn't do it. Like he didn't go all the way through. And I just said, if you're going to do this, you need to write down 
what your motivation is and it needs to be something beyond yourself because if you if your motivation is yourself you it's sometimes people can go through with it sometimes but it's rare it's rare when someone can go through with it because it's not very motivating to do something to do something for yourself but it is motivating to do things for god or others because now the weight it's it's not just about you it's about more than yourself so like when you get selfish you're like oh i can't be selfish right i gotta do it for them so like i don't do the podcast because i'm like oh like you know it's gonna give me some more followers it's gonna people are gonna come up to me and talk to me i do it for the glory of god and whenever that's my motivation I'll, i want to keep doing it and i want to keep glorifying god with it so yeah. yeah 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 and i think you're right i mean the chief motivation for uh, for fleeing lust can't just be i want to get away from this for myself but i, I want to glorify god because i'm not my own jesus mm-hmm. bought me at a price and i need to glorify god in the way i live my life i mean that's mm-hmm. that's the chief motivating factor right there that'll help you fight lust i mean uh, otherwise if if you don't truly believe in jesus and you just feel bad because you've seen something you shouldn't or done something you shouldn't you're just going to feel bad but when yeah. you realize you were created to glorify God and everything that you do, that's going to give you motivation to, to fight this temptation of flee him around. Right. And a couple of other motivating factors, too, that the, uh, I, I've experienced in my own life, and you'll be there at some point, too. Some big motivations to flee from lust are my wife and my kids. Mm-hmm. Like my, my wife deserves my love and my attention and my affection. Not mm-hmm. somebody else. Um, right. I need to set, I've got three boys. And, man, I, I would love if not one of them ever caught a glimpse of a, a naked woman on a screen. But mm-hmm. had, had their eyes pure and holy and were able to, to look at their wife uh, in, in that intimate relationship. And so in order for me um, to set a good example for them, I've got to flee sexual immorality. Like that, go, that goes beyond just doing something for myself. I'm wanting to love right. my wife in such a way that I put her before uh, my wants, and I'm putting my kids' needs uh, before my own fleshly desires. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's so true, dude. That um, you know, because like how they see you handle things is going to be the example for them. And like I'm reading this book, and Tim Tebow talks about how the biggest thing that motivated him is every. He said every single morning there was rarely a morning where he didn't come down for breakfast and his dad was not like in his word, like every morning. And that's the pivotal for me. Like that is like, like, I'm like, you know, if I am blessed to be a father one day, I, I, I want to be, I'd, I'd love to be, I'm like, man, like I want my kids to see me reading my Bible and be like, daddy, why are you reading your Bible? And then I can tell them. And then that's whenever, um, and they can see that example. Right. Because like everything, everything you do, your kids are always watching you in your example. So, exactly right. yeah, so I think that's awesome. But um, I also want to talk about, um, you know, like talking about the gospel with people um, because, you know, making it like in a relatable way, because like, you know, I've started to view, you know, like I've never struggled with like drinking or smoking or anything, but I've struggled with lust. And I think that that's kind of a way, I guess. And I've also struggled with some anxiety, fear stuff like that. Um, and I think that's kind of been like my way of relating to people or being able to present the gospel to them. So like, how would you tell a young man to talk to people or evangelize to people 
who are trying to know the gospel, but like they may be too nervous to have those kind of conversations or they may be like, oh, I'm not good enough to talk to people like like somebody may feel it on their heart. Like, man, I want to talk to this dude at school like your buddy did in second grade, yeah. um, but they just may not be confident or know how. And I think that's that's the key thing. The, the best witnesses uh, for Christ are the ones who are confident in his power to transform lives. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a thought that has kind of come into Christian circles that uh, only people who have dealt with this specific sin um, in their lives can witness to people who have dealt with the same type of sin. Uh, I mean, that, that's not true at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I went to a mission trip in, in Africa a couple of weeks ago and the lives that the people live over there could not have been more different from the life that I live here in America. Mm-hmm. But we, we still all have the same problem and it's sin. And that right. can be sin in any different number of areas in life. But I mean, the fact of the matter is we're all sinners and Jesus came to save us from our sin. And so, you know, even though I was saved at six years old and began to live my life on God's time then and may not have dealt with, you know, drinking binges throughout high school um, or drug addiction as a young adult, that doesn't mean I can't share the gospel with people who are drunks and drug addicts. Right. I mean, the, the truth is the gospel is what's the power of God to salvation. It's not mm. my life and my experiences. It's Jesus's life and his power to transform people's lives. Amen. So we have to know that. And uh, that, that's not just something I come up with. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, 16. The gospel is mm-hmm. the power of God to salvation to all who believe. And, uh, you know, Paul's a Jew. He preached to Gentiles. Who would have ever thought that Paul would be the apostle to the Gentiles? Mm-hmm. Um, he knew Jewish theology better than anybody in his day and time. Yet God sends him to a group of people who don't even know the Old Testament. (laughs) Yeah. So I think when we talk about relating the gospel to others, the the bridge for all of us is that we're sinners. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what sin we've dealt with. Certainly God can use our personal testimonies to speak into the lives of others if they've dealt with the same issues. I'm not saying that's impossible. I'm just saying our, our confidence can't be in what we've experienced in regards to sin. Mm-hmm. Our confidence in what we've experienced by the transformative power of Christ. And yeah. so when you're talking about being relatable with sharing the gospel, if you know you're saved and you know Jesus can save anybody, you're just going to tell people about Jesus. I mean, that's, yeah. that's all there is to it. It's, it's when we stop believing that there is genuine power in the gospel and that we have to have a great story or that we have to have the right words or that we have to know exactly how to address this situation, that we stop taking our eyes off of the gospel of Jesus and we start looking at ourselves and like, what can I say to save Mm -hmm. this person? What can I do to save this person? And the truth is, Jesus is the only one who can save. We just get to tell people about him. So that's what I like that. I like that a lot. We don't we don't save people. Jesus is the one who saves people. I love that so much, dude. And I heard uh, I never thought about it that way, but uh, at seven forty seven in Jonesboro, I heard Jonathan Freeman say that one time. He was like, "We don't save people. God saves people." Yep. And one time, I heard somebody say, um, and I don't think they meant it in a bad way, but they were like, "Yeah, like I um um 
I can't, I think they might've said like, I saved this person or something. And I went, eh, yeah. no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, eh, yeah. Yeah. be careful. So just, you know, kind of immature Christian thinking, but yeah. I think it's important to get that right. You know, people need yeah. to know Jesus is the one who saves. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I'll tell you this, I've also been very bad about like, you know, I've been very blessed to go speak some places. I've been very, very blessed to have conversations with people because of the podcast, because of my book, um, because of being a college athlete. And I get discouraged sometimes when, you know, I talk about, you know, my struggles or I talk about um, the gospel, my story, whatever. And people, I know someone's not a believer and they don't come forth and accept Jesus. Like I get, I'm bad about getting discouraged about that. And I think it was Jonathan that said, like, your job is just to obey. Your job is to go talk and to plant that seed. And it's God's it's God's job. Um, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And if they if they come forth, great. If not, like, you know, you don't save anyways. So um, when you take the pressure off of yourself, you'll actually, you know, be more likely to go, you know, have those conversations and do stuff like that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So real quick, last question. Um, what was the best thing? Like, you know, you talked about your mission trip in Africa. Like, how was that? Like, you know, did you go like spread the gospel down there? Were you helping build houses? Like, what were you doing down there? Yeah. So this trip was to Lesotho, Africa. It's a little nation at the bottom of the continent that is completely surrounded uh, by South Africa. If, uh, if you, if you, Google it. It's spelled L E S O T H O. So it, it sounds like mm. Lesotho, but it's Lesotho. And Lesotho. Our goal in, yeah, our goal in going down there was to to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost and to come alongside churches and strengthen them. Mm. Um, you're gonna have to edit this part out. The vacuum cleaner's going in the. Yeah, no, I know. I can kind of hear it. <laughs> It's all it's good. Too, man. Sorry, I didn't know he's gonna be doing that. Nah, it's fine. Um, you think it'll be okay if I just keep talking? Just keep talking. You're fine. You're fine. I promise. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when when we were in Lesotho, our goal was to share the gospel with the lost and to help strengthen churches where there were already Christian believers. And uh, probably the the two neatest things in the whole trip. We were invited to go to a village uh, called Mama Howe, and mm. we were invited to Mama Howe by a Roman Catholic, um, and their Roman Catholicism is is still kind of mixed in with their traditional African religion. So they still pray to mm. ancestors. They don't trust in Jesus alone. Yeah. Them. And so we're invited by this lady to teach the whole village of people. And Caleb, it, was, it felt like a scene out of the Bible. Like we're standing on a mountainside and the whole village is just coming to listen uh, to uh, Stan, the, the missionary there, yeah. myself and Bryson Long and Mary Norville and Walter Norville, the group that was with us, just tell people the message of the Bible. And so I got to mm-hmm. present uh, the gospel to over 100 people um, in wow. that village that some, the majority of them have never heard a, a, a real legitimate gospel presentation so that was awesome mm-hmm. and then we were able to to visit a, a church both sundays while we were there at a village called hamakia mm-hmm. and the second sunday we were there 
uh, one of the ladies' husbands who had been coming to church uh, for a few weeks had recently become a believer. She'd prayed for him for That's years. That's awesome. And um, I got to baptize him that Sunday after the worship. Really? Yeah, it, it was great. Uh, they, they did not have a, another baptized man in their church. Their pastor had had to move off to South Africa to go find work. And so I, I was able to baptize him. But what was even cooler, they had two ladies who had come to know Christ who hadn't been baptized yet. And so mm -hmm. after I baptized uh, in Tate Johanne, I said, hey, man, I'll show you how to baptize these two ladies. So he got to baptize uh, two more believers there in the Katsi Reservoir. And then it was just like, kind of like we had been talking about earlier. Jesus is the one who saves people. God was already at work there. And it was mm -hmm. like we just got to step into what God was doing and mm -hmm. uh, and be a part of his mission, his ministry there uh, for the yeah. two weeks that we were that we were on that trip. So it, it was incredible. That's so awesome. I love that. Like you showed him how to baptize. That was really cool. I've never baptized somebody. Am I using that right? Yeah. Am I, am I, am I, I don't know. Am, am I like, cause I know we don't save people. So I didn't know if we baptize people. Yeah, we do but... have to baptize them, right? Somebody's got to put them under the water. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, yeah. Somebody's got to, but I think it'd be really cool. Like to, to baptize somebody one day or like to be the person that, you know, helps them. Like, I think that'd yeah. be really cool. Yeah. So I would love to do that one day, but Jake, it's been very fun, man. Uh, I'm so glad that we got to get on here and just, you know, kind of give people a glimpse of the friendship we've developed and um, just the practical advice that you're very good at giving me and, and any young people. And um, I'm just glad you guys come on the podcast, man. Yeah, brother. I, I thank you for the opportunity and appreciate you letting me talk a little bit. Good yeah. Good to get to know you. And uh, I love you, man. We'll keep walking with Jesus together. Love you too, man. Well, thank you for coming on and – I don't know. I'll have another episode next week. So.